if you look at yourself as a business, you're trying to put together your own business plan of how you can navigate this complicated field and have good branding. <laughs> so when we talk okay. legacy, when we talk <laughs> legacy, do I have good branding in my legacy or is my branding bad? to the savage voice this is amy i'm super excited to be interviewing this particular person today it is carl chadband he has started a consulting firm for small businesses and nonprofits called rise now llc before that he worked for all kinds of different letter agencies so he's worked for the OFA the DOJ the OCS and HFFI in addition to that he has more than 20 years of experience providing training and technical assistance and program evaluation services to a variety of federal grantees He's conducted and coordinated training, technical assistance, and research in fields of family strengthening, workforce development, TANF, justice reinvestment, assets for independence, and community economic development. He also has extensive experience with in-person and web-based trainings, technical assistance, meeting preparation, coordination, conference planning, and qualitative and quantitative analysis. So we have ourselves a very smart, well-rounded person that I'm going to be chatting with today all about legacy. So let's get started. So first, welcome to the Savage Voice. We're excited to have you here today. And this month we're talking about legacy. So when I say that we're talking about legacy, what does that make you think of right off the bat? So typically when I, first of all, thank you for the invitation. It's an honor to share in the space with your listeners. And when you uh, pose a question as far as a uh, legacy, for me, it's, it's a very personal kind of word. Legacy, I think of two things that, that you're giving. You're giving your name and you're giving your word, right? So those are the two things in life that you can impact. Sometimes, you know, you have a name, uh, like my last name, Chad Band, the origin is British West Indies. But someone can say, man, I don't know nothing but bad Chad Bands. You know, they they never honor their word. <laughs> They'll stab you in the back. Or someone before me could have done really good things. You know, that man, that those Chad Bands, they're very dependable. You know, they're honest. They're hardworking. So that's what I come into this world with, that name, right? <laughs> the other right. part is the word which usually if someone has heard the name, they're thinking his word is good or her word isn't good, right? So right. then I have an opportunity to show my actions. Hey, Amy needs me to do something. Did I flake on her or did I show up? I had an interview. I was supposed to be here at a set time. Did I arrive there an hour late while she had other things to do or was I there early? You know, so those are the things that I can impact when we talk a legacy is your name and then also your word because you can okay. always make them better or worse <laughs> okay so do you feel like you started off in a good place with your name i did i i feel you know coming up i have some very crazy parents they're very you know hard-working family or whatnot but they didn't take any junk you know matter of fact my mother would always say to me 
I ain't raising no punk, so don't take no junk. So she was she was kind of tough. My uh-huh. dad was from the uh, from the islands, so you know I grew up old school. So their name, you know, if you if someone said I was going to tell your mom or I'm going to tell your dad, like yeah, <laughs> it it carried some weight. So I feel as though I I arrived with a fairly solid name and also word uh, to as a starting point. When you finally got to the place where, because we've talked about this in the last episode and with some of the women at the studio, when you break away from your immediate family and you're on your own, you know, you can change some of those things. Exactly. Did you find that you wanted to just continue building on that legacy or did were there things that you really wanted to change about it? A little bit of both, right? So early on, my family, they would always say, essentially, don't bring shame on your name. Don't bring shame on the name of this house because you're not the only person that has to have that name in this world. So, you know, I, I grew up in, born in Delaware, grew up in New Jersey, but then I went to school in West Virginia and I was the only Chad band in West Virginia. And by the time my kids came along, people would say, hey, I know a Chad band. Do you know a Carl Chad band? And they say, yeah, that's my dad. Or and because it's an unusual name. So I was able to, you know, establish my own name and word, you know, in a state that wasn't in the power hub of my parents. So it, it's it takes a lot of work because sometimes people are running from a legacy. Right. So, you know, you have parents that were like uber successful and you're like, eh, I'm not really trying to do all that. Or you right. had parents that were super laid back and you're like. Nah, that's really not for me. So you really do have to decide who are you going to be because most of the time you are in the shadow of your family legacy or the name that, you know, is upon you. But every day is a new day for you to go out and create your own legacy. So tell me more about that decision-making process about who you want to be then. Well, it, it It's tough because for me, a lot of my decisions came from how I was raised and I had to do a lot of shadow work to deal with, you know, my relationship with my mother, my relationship with my father. So I always tell people my mother was my heart. Therefore, I look to her for compassion. My father was my hero. So I look to him for courage. So trying to always have this backdrop where you have voices in your head makes you think you have multiple personality disorder where (laughs) you're like, all right, what would my mom do? What would my dad do? And you're always kind of anticipating if you care about this, because some people don't care about it. What would I do to make my mother proud? What would I do to make my father proud? What would I do to make my ancestors proud? Essentially is the question. So from there, you're always trying to figure out not only what is the best move for you, but also, there's a it touches on a point of pride, you know, wanting to please somebody, but ultimately wanting to do things that please yourself as well. So it's, right. a, a, it's a delicate dance to try and come to arrive at that point. I feel like that gets really sticky. Do you feel like you err on the side of wanting to make sure you're the person who is um, happier with the decision versus, you know, your family? Or how do you usually weigh that out? Or does it really depend? It it depends. So, you know, we're talking legacy. So 
you have to realize legacy is being established with every relationship you have in your family. So if you have a spouse, there's a legacy that, you know, should you transition before your spouse did, there's a legacy that you're going to leave with your spouse. Then you have your children. In this case, I have two, a daughter and a son. So I have the best of both worlds, a legacy that you leave with your children. So that there's a point where you should be selfish in some of this decision making. But the majority of the time, I would anecdotally say, where you're really doing things for other people, you know, or it, it feels like you're doing it for the benefit of other people. Like I'm concerned about my spouse or I'm concerned about my children or their friends. But there's a large part that's like, you know, when do I get to do what I want to do? And then you're also looking then about balance because we talk about this a lot that if you make all decisions and sacrifice for other people you end up not being able to actually give them everything that you want to because you don't have anything left for yourself did you find that you had a problem with that balance at any point or do you still have a problem with that balance (laughs) i have 99 problems but balance right now is not one this is how i arrived at balance So I was one way around my family. I was one way around my church folks. I was one way around my uh, employer and my coworkers. I was one way around my teammates and any other group I had. Like, so these folks would, it is a lot, right? So I was, I reached a point where I snapped and I just, I dropped everything. I left church. You know, I was tired, sick and tired of religion. I love church, mm-hmm. uh, my family. You know, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to live in the mountains. <laughs> I'm, I don't have to live around you people. I'm just going to move, you right. know, far, far away from the East Coast. You know, so I, I snapped. And then out of that snapping, I decided I was going to be one person around every group that I was associated with. I found that much more easier to manage being the authentic me around everybody and making them adjust to that instead of me adjusting to everybody that was around me. Which is fantastic and also so hard because of expectations. Did you find going back when you were your authentic self around other people, did you get pushback? Always. I mean, you're always going to get pushback, but that's a part of growth, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have a baby in the womb and it just stays in that womb, that's a problem. Somebody is going to have a serious serious problem if that baby just stays there, right? Right. But there has to be some pushback, right? In order to force, one, that baby to come out, and two, for that mother to be free of that burden, you know, because that's only supposed to be a short time span. So for me, the pushback is not what you're supposed to get worried about or get concerned about or cry at night about the pushback. What we're supposed to do is seek to be our highest version of ourselves. And in doing that, I know I can have a good name and I know I can have uh, a good legacy because I'm not out trying to hurt someone. I'm just trying to be the highest version of myself that I can be. So let's talk a little bit about finding that authentic self then, Mm -hmm. because 
you're talking about being a different person in all different, these different situations and places. I'm sure that was incredibly difficult to juggle. Probably forgot who you were half the time. Did you feel like you were ever your authentic self in any of those spaces? And then did you just sort of pull from there or did you really have to almost reinvent who you were? Mm -hmm. So this goes back to your foundation, right? So my, I have my parents and I, I had, a. you'll hear me in, during this conversation talk a lot about my father because we had more of these conversations. My mother and I, we had more practical kind of conversations, day-to-day life. My dad also traveled every day to New York, you know, as a pipe fitter. So okay. we would have times where I just had to get, you know, kind of hit it and quit it advice because, you know, he'd be out of town, things like that. So he would always tell me things that his father would say, again, going to legacy, his father would say, Hey, at night, when you lay on your back and you look up at the sky, you have a thought in your mind about what you want in life. Think about that before you go to sleep and let that be the first thought that you have when you come out of that. And that is one of the keys on how you can manifest things, right? So he would say things like that to me. He would then say, you're superhuman. You're not an average human. You are superhuman. So conduct yourself like you are above average. He would always say things like, you have to be 10 times better than folks because it's a lot of lazy folks out here. You want to make sure you differentiate yourself from them. A roundabout way of answering your question is, you don't know who you are because for the most part, you are the words that were fed to you as a child. So as you become an adult, you're trying to figure out what your identity is because am I all of the things that I heard said to me or right. am I more than the words that I heard said to me, right? So some of that you're embracing like, yeah, I'm superhuman because you know who doesn't want to hear that they're superhuman? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, who doesn't want to hear all the awesome things that were said to you? But right. then there's also some negative things that we carry also. There's some luggage, some baggage we carry that you're trying to fight through some of that stuff too. So once you are in a position where some, allegedly you're calling the shots, there's some work in your mind, the shadow work that you have to do in your mind and your heart to really embrace what you heard on your formative stages that you still hold to be true or what are those things that you're trying to release and let go it's time to focus on yourself and commit to your own self-growth savage intentions provides tools structure and support rooted in feminine energy and the feminine experience Step away from the distractions and stresses of every day and hold space for self-improvement and discovery. Find your energy, harness your emotions, and make small changes leading to overall fulfillment. It's time to take action and start your journey surrounded by a community of support. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about Savage Intention subscriptions or visit savagemagicmyshopify.com. That's S-A-V-A-G-E-M-A-G-I-C-K dot myshopify.com. What is your process for shadow work? Because we talk about shadow work here a lot and everybody seems to have a different 
uh, way that they go about it. What does your process look like? Man, it, it's it's whatever way the wind blows. You know, it's okay. no scientific process so for me. I, I would love to get there. I would love to tell you I have a routine where I, where I meditate at a certain day, a uh, certain time, all those things. But life for me is such is you have to get it where when you can. You have to know that life will drive you and you'll be off balance at times. And that's all right for that moment, but it's my job to go back into balance. So I just try and reflect often. I try and ground. I do a lot of ritual around uh, new moon and full moon, uh, the moon cycles. For those of, the, of you listening out there that may or may not be into that, just simple, I'm a science guy, I'm a logic-based guy. If the moon has an influence of the water on Earth and your body is made up of water, why wouldn't the moon have influence on you? So it's a tool for me to track in order for me to be the highest version of myself I can be. Right, because I'm definitely not a very woo-woo person. I always like the science behind things. And I like mm -hmm. that they are pretty consistent markers for check-ins because they they happen on this nice regular basis where you can't go too long without checking right. in with yourself again. Exactly. Exactly. Which, so at a minimum at a minimum, if you're doing work around some of those phases, you're pretty good. You know, yeah. that that's a, that's that's pretty decent touch points to be checking in with yourself. So do you find sometimes though you're doing this work and you realize something's not okay, then you've got to come up with like how you're going to fix that. So yeah. um, you know, because a lot of what we talk about is you can't just want, you wish it, want it, say it. You have to then go and do it. Um, sure. How do you then take that information and turn it into a change for you? Yeah. So most of the people I want to help, they're poor, right? Or will be classified as poor. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't get rich off of helping poor people, right? So yeah. <laughs> I'm always have this passion of working and trying to help people, whether I'm working with ex-offenders, get jobs or helping people who didn't graduate, get employment or, you know, talk with small nonprofits that are starting to set up a social enterprise. But, you know, they're all strapped for cash. And like, I have a family to provide for. So I have this passion of working with these folks. They have very limited resources. So I had to figure out in this particular instance, how can I come together and come up with a plan that was a, a mutually beneficial arrangement where I could help individuals that I know need help and are suffering, but also find a way to where I can have a livable wage and provide better for my family. Again, to the legacy, one thing my father said, it was a gut punch for me, right? He said, if a man has the ability to provide more for his family and doesn't because of convenience, is that not neglect? And at the time I had been with this agency, it was almost 10 years and they loved me there at the agency. The work was kind of like clockwork, but the salary sucked. I mean, it was, it was just, you know, and I had gotten convenient there. And sometimes you get complacent and you can do better for your family, but we don't because of our own convenience in a, in a circumstance or in a situation. So for me, I had to just look at, look, some of this growth again is going to be uncomfortable. There may be jobs that I feel like I can't do. There may be an opportunity where I want to do my own thing and be my own boss, be this entrepreneur. 
Mm-hmm. But you know what? Sometimes you got to work a nine to five in order to finance whatever your dream or your passion is. And my dad always would tell me, that's what you need to be doing. You all, you have miles to feed. So never forget that and never neglect the mouths you have to feed because of convenience. So how do you balance that then with, you know, taking care of yourself? It's a struggle. I mean, it's just no magic pill, no silver bullet here. This is an active process. So it's something where sometimes I'm working a job because I'm instead of working to earn, I'm working to learn because I know that skill will help me down the road, whether I'm consulting or a contract or something like that. The other part is I have a smarter than you crew. So I have a group of people that are around me that at any given time I can call and they can call me on my bullshit. They can say, mm-hmm. look, Chad, you, you, <laughs> you really want to rethink this one, bro. You know, or they can mm-hmm. say, you know what? I think this is a good idea. You, you might, you might want to consider that. You probably want to start acting on that now. And a lot of times, most of the people that I come in contact with, they don't have sound counsel around them. They don't have people, they don't have good sounding boards around them where somebody can call them on their shit. Everybody just wants to hear the flowery stuff, right? Everybody right. just want to hear the warm and fuzzy stuff. But there's some ugly stuff out there that needs to be addressed in order to have a beautiful life. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes the, the hardest thing is, is hearing that and it's the best thing. Yeah. Is to, and you is know what? Get rid of that shit. Yeah. Exactly. And and what I'm what I'm doing now is the latest thought that I'm on is you have to sit with that feeling. So many times we're we're trying to rush past these raw emotions that make us feel uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. we don't sit long enough with the feeling, not you know, a, a pity party or to be depressed. That's not what I'm saying, but some of these feelings are raw. They are uncomfortable. And you have to sit with that and process through that instead of just, all right, I'm just going to put that to the side. And, you know, that that's, that's a part of the problem historically is we don't address stuff. We don't sit with it, reflect, and then move on from it. We just want to hurry up and brush it out of the door. Well, it's still on your porch if you sweep it out of the door. Yeah, you're you going to have to go back and deal with it later. I mean, we yeah. always talk about that, too, that... Sometimes as you're growing and changing who you are, you know, you run into things, you deal with them best you can at the time, but you may have to circle back through and deal with them again. But if you're spending all of your time just shoving all that off to the side, your circle backs are going to take everything. Um, And you can't really grow from that information if you don't let yourself completely absorb it. So, I mean, it sounds like essentially you're saying don't beat yourself up, but actually take in the information when something isn't good. And you can do the same thing with something is good, you know, take Mm -hmm. in that information and then use it to grow as a human. And then you won't have to be dragging all that crap behind you all the time. Yeah. it, It, I think we need to do a better job of being measured, right? When I was in a classroom teaching, and I taught seventh and eighth grade advanced math and regular math. Oh, man, I was teaching them. Okay. Yeah, I was <laughs> teaching in my hometown. I had a uh-huh. I had a great teacher that I actually got to teach with my eighth grade teacher. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he would say, when your when your student scores are good, don't take too much credit for it. And when your student scores are bad, don't take too much blame for it. And I think sometimes we beat ourselves up so bad, right? When things we realize, you know, we effed up, right? right? And then sometimes 
we celebrate too much when we should be measured that we had a success, you know, so be measured, you know, when things are bad, don't take too much blame, except with part you have in it. Right. And then when things are good, don't accept too much credit. Like you did it all by yourself. You might've had your circle around you. You're smarter than you crew, your family, your empowerment group around you, you know, be measured. So let's talk a little bit about your kids. You first had them. Did you know what kind of legacy you wanted to leave for them? Or is that something that's happened over time? First of all, two things. If you have kids and you're listening to this, you, I got you. Just, just hold on. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't have kids, you, your kids will teach you more than you'll ever teach them. Uh, that's my experience. Is that my kids? Yeah, I have kids too, and I, I would agree. I feel as though my kids have taught me more than I think I can ever teach them. Then now they will argue that later in life. I always wanted to be a parent. I feel as though I had great parents. I had an awesome mom and awesome dad. I always wanted to be a great dad. That's, you know, I, I, and I may have failed many times in life as a brother, as a son, as a spouse, but being a parent, I got that shit right. I can tell you, I feel very confident that I tried to start as early as I can communicating with my kids so that when stuff was tough, when shit was hard, I could talk to them, right? So like my daughter, mm-hmm. I would sing to her while she was in, in the womb. I would I would talk to her every day. She came out and she wasn't crying. It was the strangest thing because, you know, babies are supposed to cry when they come out, right? She just was, she just was chill, right? No noise, no nothing. I called her by name. I said, Amaris. And she looked right at me. She knew her dad's voice, right? My son, he was preemie. He was a preemie. My wife is, she's in labor and they got to give her nitroglycerin, drive her heart down because he has tachycardia. So one is like the perfect birth, right? She, from the time she was fully dilated, it was 24 minutes for my daughter. And then my son is like, a boy, classic boy, right? Uh, <laughs> well, they are trouble. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if they're trouble, but it's some turbulence there. I won't put trouble on, but I'll put turbulence on them, right? Okay. okay. So, All right. So, I have girls, my, so. <laughs> <laughs> so my son, you know, he's supposed to be born in March. And he's born in January, right? Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So as, as you know, as this is going on, they come to me and they said, Mr. Chadman, doctor says, uh, Mr. Chadman, it could be your wife. It could be your, your son. I had to fight through all of what my insecurities were at, in that moment in particular to speak over my son's life, to speak over my wife's life. So what I said was, I said, listen, I said, my son's going to be fine. My wife's going to be fine. As soon as my son's body touches the atmosphere, his heart's going to regulate. And that doctor just looked at me kind of like, man, whatever. So, <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm the science dude. Yeah. Whatever, bro. I'm not trying to hear none of that, you know, right. mystic mumbo jumbo stuff. <laughs> so you can hear my son's heartbeat on the monitors. Boom, 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 Super fast, right? Right. And as soon as his hand hit the atmosphere, all you heard was boom, 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 boom. And he regulated. So. Scientifically, I can't tell you what went into that moment to happen. All I know is 
I knew what my intentions were for my wife and for my child. I spoke those intentions and they manifested. That's what I do now. What's the ultimate legacy you want to leave for your kids? Like what, what do you want them to most think about when they think about you? That they were loved, that I tried my best, that I had some flaws and I tried to safeguard them against my flaws. I tried to make sure their strengths were 10 times better than mine and that their weaknesses were, you know, 1% of the weaknesses that I carry. I really tried for them to be better versions of me. And I really tried hard to cultivate and generate some good people into a place that a lot of people have a lot of bad experiences. So mm -hmm. I, I think I've, I've done that. My daughter next month will be 18. My son will be in January 14. So they are tracking well, you know, they are tracking well. So <laughs> I will just leave it there. They're, they're, yeah. they're on that trajectory to be those kind of persons, but they are very sensitive souls and very sweet souls. So I actually want to then talk about what you want your legacy to be in your work, because your work seems to be really important to you and the people you serve are important to you. Does yeah, that my, look any different than the legacy you want to leave your kids? It, it looks a little bit different, right? I When I came to the school, West Virginia State University is the college I went to. Mm -hmm. It's really where I learned about Black Wall Street. And Black Wall Street has appeared multiple places in, in the nation, but where I specifically was studying was Tulsa, Oklahoma, where they had over 400 businesses and they were thriving. There was a renaissance. And they were bombed. They were bombed by the air, you know, and just destroyed. And without digging too much on that, I just always had a passion to reestablish uh, Black Wall Street. And doesn't mean I only had help people or communities of color. It just means that idea that you could have a place where people work together in collaboration to do something special for each other. Mm -hmm. That's something I've been trying to do, you know, my whole professional career. But that that work is so hard, Amy. I, I mean, and it can be so frustrating. Yeah. But you got to be in it for the long haul. You know, it's it's not it's not work. Some work that we have in life is not work that you pop in and you pop out of. Like you can yeah. just pick up, put down some. So when I was in college, you know, you have to make a quote. To that kind of identifies what your belief in, on education or, you know, being a lifelong learner is. And there was this anonymous quote that said, in life, people are like eggs and bacon. The chickens involved, but the pigs committed. <laughs> uh, okay. And I think that work, you know, people treat it like eggs and bacon. Some people want to be involved. They always got something to tell you, whatnot, and then they can conveniently go away. Right. But sooner or later, somebody has to lay down their, their metaphoric life for the kind of work that they're investing in. It takes that kind of sacrifice. Okay. And do you feel like you've done that? I feel like I'm doing it. I okay. feel like I'm doing it. I don't think it's anything that's done yet. You know, as far as completion, but 
it is definitely something that I am actively doing. So I just want to wrap up with, if you could tell anybody listening one thing that you did that helped you discover what your legacy was going to be, what was that? You have to decide who you want to be. Who do you want to be? Not do you want to be what people say you are or the words that were cast on you when you were younger? Decide today who you want to be and then put together a plan to become that person. It's just that simple. You got to decide who you want to be. Well, I'm going to leave it right there then because I think that's great advice. I oh, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for the invitation, and I'm always here to help. Mm-hmm.